friends, welcome. I'm Andrew Hicks, and you're listening to the Text and Context Podcast. Thank you, Faye. Good morning. Good morning. Um, these have been some wonderful songs today. Uh, thank you, Micah. I'm so glad that you're leading. Um, I remember when Netflix was still a mail order phenomenon. Do you remember this? True story. That, it did not used to be a streaming service. Uh, back in my day, we had to actually walk to the mailbox after ordering it online. Go to the mailbox, retrieve it out of the mailbox, take it out of a container. This little, it's this little round um, disc that you had to put into. It's called a DVD. Don't worry about it. And then you would have to put the DVD into the player and then hit play. I know it just sounds like way too much work. I know. But I'm telling you, this used to happen. Uh, I remember whenever they switched to streaming on Netflix, though. I remember because my grandmother was a Netflix junkie. And she had whatever the most premium of premium plans in Netflix was, she had that one. And she was my primary babysitter during the summer. And so they switched to streaming. And she said, I have no idea what this is. You figure it out and tell me if it's worthwhile. So I started messing with it, uh, looking at it on her computer. And I'd watch, I don't know, SpongeBob or something. I don't know what I watched. But I would start playing with it. And I was like, this is amazing. So I went home and told my parents. I was like... Yeah, I mean, you got to see this. It's incredible. You don't have to fiddle with DVDs or DVD players. You don't have to order them in the mail or go to the video store. You just watch it right there. It just, it just goes instantly. And my parents' response, you ready? That'll never catch on. <laughs> a month later, we canceled cable and got a Netflix subscription. A month later. Our text today is all about what does and doesn't last. Really, it's about who does and doesn't last. This is Psalm 129. A song of ascents. Often have they attacked me from my youth. Let Israel now say, often have they attacked me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. Many people tried to beat Israel down. You've read the stories People have always been trying to beat down God's people, but they did not succeed. Pharaoh in Egypt, Sennacherib in Assyria, Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, Cyrus in Persia, Antiochus IV Epiphanes in the Seleucid Empire, the the Herods in Judea, the Caesars in Rome, the Turks in the Ottoman Empire, the Nazis in Germany, and ISIS in the Middle East. And here they're still kicking. They've always tried to beat down God's people. Oh, those scrawny Jews, they'll never last said Pharaoh. Boy, was he wrong. You know, one of the funniest things about the Exodus story in Scripture is that we have no idea which Pharaoh it was. We have no idea. And, and in our enlightened Western minds, we're like, well, we got to know which Pharaoh it was so we can date it and know exactly when it happened. And, and that's an interesting study and all, but I think we're missing the point. It doesn't matter which Pharaoh it was. Because he's just some forgotten person of a bygone era, but we still remember the name of the Lord. Pharaoh who? Oh, I don't know. One of them. It doesn't matter. Just write it down. But Israel, we still remember. Church, why do we tend to act defeated? We are not defeated. We are triumphant. Empires will come and empires will go. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but saints will outlast the sinners every time. Why? Keep reading. This is verse 3. 
The plowers plowed on my back. They made their furrows long. But the Lord is righteous. He has cut the cords of the wicked. The plowers plowed on my back. Did you catch that image? That is the people who are working in the fields. It's like poetically like they're, they're working the crop rows on my back. Um, that just sounds like one of those old spirituals that the, the slaves used to sing. It really sounds like an image that would be in those. And really this whole psalm is a resistance psalm. That is, well, they tried to beat me down, but they didn't, they didn't last. They tried to uh, attack me, but they have not prevailed Israel says, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. You know, the really powerful thing about this poetic image, it goes deeper than that. Um, So you've heard of yolks, right? Scripture talks a lot about yolks. This is not like eggs that you, here's my brain on drugs. It's not that. Uh, Yolks are a, a farming instrument that is used to plow the ground. But then you have to actually attach it to the animal. So they have a harness on the animal. And then they have a cord that attaches the harness to the yoke, and then the yoke is the thing that actually like plows the ground and, and uh, softens it up, tills it, and then also plants the seed at the same time. It, it does both of those things. So you got this image, the plowers plowed on my back. Well, turns out it was common enough that people didn't attach the harness the right way. Um, so the best place to attach the harness, apparently, is on the neck. Um, it would be less stress. But they would often attach them to the horns of the animal, but that was dangerous because then the horns might break if it was strenuous enough um, or it could just in, I mean, even if it didn't break it could still harm them the worst place was to put it on their back do you know why it's because it would blister from the heat and the sweat and it would crack their back open literally oh and it goes deeper than that too we actually have archaeological evidence that the babylonians would often put the people to work instead of the animals that they would put a harness on their back and make them plow their fields. They plowed, plowed, the plowers plowed on my back and they made their furrows long. It's a potent image. A really important question to ask though is who is they? They uh, plowed on my back. The Lord is righteous. He's cut the cords of the wicked. Well, who's they? The wicked, but that's generic. Who's, Who's the wicked? Which wicked? And really, it probably has in mind at least two different people. So, of course, it's got to harken back to Egypt. The Egyptians worked the fields for Pharaoh. And you remember he uh, made their conditions as harsh as he could just to get back at Moses. And then also uh, probably under Babylon as well. But I think it's important that there's multiple moments in Israel's history when this would be applicable. It doesn't necessarily say it's just Egypt or just Babylon, but it's, it's been their whole history because their whole history, people have been attacking Israel since their youth, but they haven't prevailed against them. They did try to make their furrows long on their back, and maybe they literally did, but, but the Lord has cut the cord of the righteous. That is, the thing that connects the yoke to the harness, Yahweh has cut the cords of the wicked. And now Israel says, we ain't your farm animals anymore. And you're not getting free labor off of us because we fear the Lord. And we, when we fear the Lord, we have nothing else to fear. But those of you who hate those who fear the Lord have everything to fear. You know, last week I was really honest with you about how I think that most Western Christians are a bunch of wimps. 
Here we sit in our privilege and we say, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. And the rest of the world says, yeah, because you're not in that much trouble. It's privileged and petty problems. While there's brothers and sisters in Christ dying all around the world. You know, I think one of the reasons that we end up um, feeling defeated all the time and being wimpy Christians is because I think we give Satan too much airtime. We give him way too much airtime. I mean, you know he's not omnipotent, right? You do know this. You know he's not all-powerful, right? You do know he's not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere at once. There's only one of him and millions of us. You do know he's not omniscient. He doesn't know. Okay, you do know this. Just check it. Jesus is rather clear in the New Testament that he has bound the strong man. In other words, Satan. And he also says that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. The gates of hell will not prevail against his church. He's scared of us. In the text that uh, Faye read for us just a moment ago, notice, you know, Satan's cast down and he's angry and we're all like, oh my goodness, Satan's mad. He's like a child throwing a temper tantrum. He's not someone who has any power. He has a little, but not much. He's throwing a temper tantrum is what he's doing. And so any havoc he causes is really just, eh, it's really minimal in the grand scheme of things at this point. So please don't ever tell me Satan is alive and well. Well, he's alive, but he is not well. He's got his tail whooped, and he is walking with his tail between his legs. He's walking with a limp. He is walking with one hand tied behind his back. The bruised heel of the seed of the woman has crushed the head of the serpent, and it's time that we say, absolutely, bring it on. You know, at one point, Jesus sends out the 70 disciples in Luke 10 and and then they're coming back and they're, they're like giving him a report of all the things that they've seen and done. And they're like, oh, Jesus, it was crazy. We were, we were casting out demons and they submitted to us. It was crazy. And Jesus says, yeah, that's cool, I guess. That's fine. I, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I mean, big whoop. He wasn't that powerful to begin with. I mean, it's cool that they submit to you and all, but I mean, uh, don't rejoice over that. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Oh, that's something to party about. Satan, his demons. I'm telling you, those who hate Zion will never prevail. They have not prevailed. If you keep reading, it says, May all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned backward. Let them be like the grass on the housetops that withers before it grows up, with which reapers do not fill their hands or binders of sheaves their arms, while those who pass by do not say... The blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Okay, those last few verses kind of have a kaleidoscope of images, right? It's switching from one to the other to the other. So let's just take it one bite at a time, just like eating an elephant. One bite at a time. May all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned backward. Put to shame, turned backward. That's military imagery. If you read in Israel, whenever they fight their enemies and they conquer over the Assyrians or Ammonites or any of the mosquito bites or any of the other ites, whenever they conquer over them, it's always that they are put to shame and turned backwards. This is military imagery. May all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned backwards. You don't stand a chance. Um, And then it moves to the grass on the housetops. Okay, that one's not as readily apparent because most of us don't have grass on our house. At least I hope not. Um, If so, then we can get you some uh, really good roundup and we can go take care of that. No, it would have made more sense for a people who spent a lot of time on their roof 
And they did spend a lot of time on their roof. It wasn't like a sloped insla- uh, incline like ours are. It was flat. And it, like in the summertime, for example, they would sleep up there uh, because it got really hot and stuffy inside the house. And so they use it for storage. They use it, uh, I don't know, let the kids play around up there. I don't know. But they use it for everything. And so if you have grass that's growing on your house, it's, it's a nuisance. It's a weed. It's like whenever you get weeds in the cracks in your driveway. You're like, they're annoying. I'd rather them not be there. But I mean, really, are they going to slow down your car at all? I mean, really, are they going to slow you down from doing what you're doing? No, not really. They're just kind of there. We'll, get, we'll put some Roundup on it whenever we get a chance. It's more like that. It just crops up. <sighs> Great. Some more weeds. And that's all it takes. They have no root. They wither in the sun whenever anything hits them that's worth its salt. They fail. That's what it is with our enemies, church. It's just grass on the housetops. It's just weeds in the cracks in your driveway. It's not much. And then it talks about reaping and harvests. Uh, Reapers do not fill their hands or binders of sheaves their arms. That is, the harvest isn't working for them. They would not have collected sheaves from the housetops because those are weeds. They want like crops. But uh, the image is just kind of blurring one into the other, how poetry tends to do. The image is in the same way that it's just grass that withers and then dies instantly, in the same way their crop is dead and they have nothing to gather. And in this society, this is not like, oh, well, we'll just go to H-E-B and buy some more. It's fine. This is a society where if you don't get the harvest, you may not eat if you didn't store up enough to last you uh, through the next year. And so... uh, They will not gather. And then in verse 8, while those who pass by do not say. Isn't that fun? That's a clever turn of phrase. Those who pass by don't say. The Lord bless you. The Lord's blessing be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. It's funny because as you read the psalm, it feels like you're being blessed, even though it says, but they won't say that. Well, they won't say it to each other, but, but we can say it to each other. We bless you in the name of the Lord. And also it's clever Uh, There's apparently this uh, practice where whenever you're in the fields, if I'm the master and I have my workers in the field, I pass by and I say that first line, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. And then they would respond with the second one. We bless you in the name of the Lord. And we actually have an example of this in scripture. In Ruth chapter two, Boaz does this with his workers in the field. He walks up to him and he's about to talk to him because he's about to say, hey, I have a crush on this little Moabite woman over here. Uh, Just go ahead and leave her some sheaves when you're working. But as he's going up to them, he walks up to them and he says, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. And they respond, we bless you in the name of the Lord. In other words, if you don't have a harvest, then you can't go out and greet your people and receive a harvest blessing. And so what they're saying is you're not going to get a harvest and you're not going to get a harvest blessing. Boom. In Israel, that was like a major roast. You're familiar with roasting. You're familiar with, oh, I roasted you. It's like that. This was a major roast in Israel context because the enemies of Israel, you're not getting any free labor. You're not getting a harvest. You're not getting a harvest blessing because those pilgrims that they messed with, they must have had some really good insurance and assurance. They must have had a really powerful God. As the great theologian and singer-songwriter Taylor Swift has said, haters going to hate, 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 but shake it off. Shake it off. 
No matter what trials or temptations come your way, whether individually or collectively, I'm telling you, the saints outlast the sinners every time because they serve a God who's righteous and is good. What do we fear? If God is for us, who can be against us? They're just grass on the housetops. And the, the reason I love this psalm so much is the more you beat me down, the more I rise back up. Proverbs says the righteous man is knocked down six times, but he stands up seven. You know, they say you can't keep a good man down. You've heard this. Well, I suppose since they couldn't keep the goodest man to have ever lived down in the grave, I don't suppose they'll be able to keep any of the rest of us down either. Because the same power that rose Christ from the dead is living in you and in me. There's a song that I want to share with you. Uh, I'm going to play it here in just a minute. Um, This is a song called I Am a Seed. Uh, I don't think you'll know it. It's by the popular artist David Crowder. If you know David Crowder, he's on like Christian radio sometimes. This is an older one of his, but I really like it. It's called I Am a Seed. It has the lyrics on the screen. If you like catch it and you want to sing, great. But the main thing is I just want you to pay attention to it and just see what it's saying. Because to me, this is the closest thing to a modern version of Psalm 129 that we're going to get. So uh, Vince, can you pull that up for me? Or we might just listen to it. That's fine. repetition for me. Did you catch what he said? I am a seed. So many feet on top of me, trampling me down into the dirt. Well, I've been pushed down into the dirt, but that's fine because I'm going to rise up a tree. Church, there is nothing that the enemy can do to you that God can't redeem. There is nothing that can be done to you that would ever separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Church, it's time that we embrace the victory that we have in Jesus. Let's not act defeated because we serve a good God who's righteous and he's cut the cords of the wicked. And it's time that we stand up and we say the saints are going to outlast those sinners every single time. Some things last and some things don't. Netflix as a mail order phenomenon did not last. But I'm telling you, saints are going to outlast the sinner every single time. Thanks for listening to the Text and Context podcast. If you're interested in some other great content, then you can go over to my website. It's txt 
and con txt.com. It's text and context without E's in it. So again, that's txtandconntxt.com. Head on over there and check out a bunch of free resources and plenty of articles about a wide range of topics, as well as book reviews and plenty more. Thank you for listening.